Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Up until my senior year of high school, there was one thing that I was able to say that I thought was pretty cool. Given all my years of playing sports and all the injuries that I had had over the years, I thought it was pretty awesome that I could say I'd never broken a bone. I had been on crutches plenty of times because I had a ton of sprained ankles and hurt knees. And even one time I sprained my wrist, I was in a sling, but, but that's for another story. Uh, I had been in all kinds of different injury kind of situations, but I had gone almost 18 years without breaking a bone. Now, interestingly, just 10 years later, I've broken two bones already. And well, I'm hoping that's a trend that does not continue on. Um, but I will never forget the first time I broke a bone, and even more specifically, when I learned that I had broken the bone, when the doctor finally showed me the x-ray. When I, my injury first occurred, see, I, I thought it was just a really bad sprained ankle. I had gotten kicked in the ankle in a soccer game, and uh, I wasn't able to play the rest of the game, and so I was really just kind of hobbling on it. And when I finally got home, my brother saw it, and the swelling, of course, happened very quickly, and so he, got a, he goes, I know exactly what you need. He runs back, and five minutes later comes over with a nice, huge bucket of ice and ice-cold water. If it wasn't because I literally couldn't move, I would have ran away so fast. But nonetheless, I stuck my ankle into the water, I submerged it, and after the proper amount of time, I finally took it out, and then I was able to breathe again. And then I went to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, the swelling had subsided some, and so I thought, okay, we're moving forward, this will be fine. But I knew that let's give it a week or so, and then we'll see what happens. After about a week, a week and a half, I thought, Okay, let's test it out. And I thought, of course, rather than trying to perhaps jog on it, let me just try to run on it. And so this is what that looked like. Yeah, that, that's right. I actually couldn't run. And so I very quickly realized this is probably going to take a couple more weeks. So after another week and then another week of not being able to run, I finally said to my mom, I think I need to go to the doctor. And at the doctor's office, they asked some questions about my pain and my ability or lack thereof. And then they finally took me back to the room for x-rays. And uh, it was one of the first times I've had x-rays outside of the dentist's office. And so this was, of course, on my leg. And I remember they had to contort me in all kinds of ways in order to get my foot at the right angle so they could get the image done properly. And it was this whole process. But once that was finally done, my mom and I went and sat in the room waiting for the doctor to come in. After about 15 minutes, the doctor walks in and she asks a few questions and then she, hangs, she hung the x-rays on the wall. And that's when she said these words, you have a fracture in your fibula. She said a lot of other words too, but I just don't remember them because I feel like that moment is just frozen for me. I sat there trying to dissect this x-ray trying to pick it apart. I remember I even kind of lifted it up off the wall to see if the screen that she'd put it on had a scratch underneath it. I did everything I could. I looked at every possible angle and option. But there it was. It was of no avail. All my attempts were failed because that crack in my bone was there. And this x-ray proved it. There was nothing left to check. 
And as I look back on that moment, I realized something very specific about x-rays. They expose us in a way that most things can never do. I mean, that's kind of the point of an x-ray, right? It's supposed to see through the skin and the bone, uh, the skin and the tendons and the muscles and everything going on to get down to the very bones. And the experience of seeing something right down to the bones is usually something we reserve for chicken, turkey, and a good rack of ribs. And then, of course, if we think about when we see something down to the bone in other cases, it usually requires a hospital visit, and I don't want to get into those kinds of details, but you get the point. The bone is seemingly the last thing that is hidden and covered up by every other layer of the body. And when a body dies, the bones are the last thing left behind. And usually, none of us wait around to see the bones. But that's just one thing that makes this morning's passage from Scripture so unique. See, the passage you heard just a few moments ago from the book of Ezekiel takes us to a place that none of us have actually seen before, at least not the way the prophet describes it. And it takes us to a place that many of us have been before, and yet we've never had this kind of experience the way that he sees it. This is one of the most well-known visions of the prophet Ezekiel. And interestingly, it's about a place that, generally speaking, people spend their whole entire lives trying to avoid. And yet, at the exact same time, it is a place that all of us are headed towards one way or another, whether we admit it or not. This morning, Ezekiel takes us to a place where there is no breath and therefore there is no life. There is nothing but the bones. He describes it like this. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. I imagined it looked something like this. Ezekiel was taken by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley, and this was not just any kind of valley. It was a valley of dry bones. And he says that there were very many on the surface, which means there must have been some sort of massacre that this picture you're looking at doesn't even do it justice. They're all scattered around, which means these bones had been torn apart. And they were dry. And if the bones were dry, it means that they had been there for a long, long time. There's literally nothing left on them. No skin, no muscles, no tendons, just the bones. There's no need for an x-ray here because all that's left to see are the bones. And Ezekiel is not just standing there, but the Spirit of the Lord is leading him around. He is walking through this giant graveyard of bones. A place where there is no breath and certainly there is no life. This wide open valley where there is just dry, dead, scattered bones. And yet this is the place that the Spirit of the Lord brings Ezekiel and me and you today. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet and a priest to the people of Israel during a very specific and challenging time in their lives. 
The people of Israel had recently been torn away from their promised land. The land that their ancestors had inhabited and established where their families grew up. Their lives, their rituals, their religious practices were all in this promised land. This was the place that God had promised to dwell with them. The land that had shaped their identity because it was theirs. And yet it was because also of their constant sinning against God, their turning away from God, that they ended up being stripped of that land, overruled, overrun, and cast out. They were left feeling hopeless, feeling as though they were nothing but dead, scattered, lifeless bones. Uh, Their spirits had been massacred, torn to shreds, and stripped down to the very bones because living in exile was like being stripped of everything you ever loved. There was no breath left in them, and therefore there was no life. Now, whether you've broken a bone or not before, I know that all of you have had an x-ray done. In fact, I actually think calling it an x-ray is an inaccurate way to describe what has happened to you. Because while an x-ray can certainly see through down to the bone, it can get through all the muscles and the tendons, there is no x-ray machine out there that can diagnose what you're dealing with. It can't get to the root of the problem. The thing that you're dealing with won't come up on a scan or in a performance review. It's sometimes not even something visible to others around you. But whether you believe it or not, it has the ability to strip you down right to the very bone. Sin. Sin is the thing that we are dealing with each and every day. And while we may not be exiled from our home, our sin causes us to feel as though we are exiled from the presence of God that we are unworthy of the love that God has for us. Sin is the thing that exposes us more than any x-ray ever will. Sin is the thing that tells us that we are good enough on our own. Sin is the thing that leaves us hopeless and left with nothing. Sin is the thing that ultimately leads to death and turns us into nothing but a heaping pile of dry, scattered, breathless bones. Yet here is what God does when he sees our sin. In the moments where there is no breath, in the places where there is hopelessness, where sin causes us to feel as though there is no hope, God breathes. God breathes. Church, the breath of God is unlike any other breath. The breath of God is the Holy Spirit being poured out upon you. And sometimes the Holy Spirit sounds like the violent rushing wind filling a house and filling the hearts of all those who follow Jesus. And other times it sounds like the earth rattling from the ground as bones are being brought together by this same breath. Because as Ezekiel stands in this valley of dry bones, where hopelessness and pain and the result of sin, where death lies all around him. God speaks to him and he says, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says to God, O Lord, you know. 
God tells him then, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover your skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. And as Ezekiel prophesies, all of a sudden he begins to hear that loud noise, the rattling sounds of the bones coming together, bone to bone as the breath enters them. And again, God tells him, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. And again, God says, and I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. The people of Israel were like these dry bones. They were dead in their exile and filled with hopelessness. Their sin that had ripped them from the promised land had caused them to be as exposed as dry, scattered, lifeless bones in a valley. But God does not leave them there. Instead, he sends this vision to his prophet Ezekiel in the vision in which he breathes on them. God literally breathes new life into them. And that new life is brought upon them by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God that he puts into them. The breath of God. And God's breath is a life-giving breath. It is his Spirit that literally he breathes into his people. And it is this same Spirit that God breathes into me and you. In fact, it is the very breath of God, the Spirit of God that is in the Son of God. It has been poured out upon him as you hear at his baptism, that the Spirit comes down upon him and is with him and is within him. And because of the sin of the world, the Son of God was stripped down to his flesh. And he was hung on a cross and he was buried in a tomb. But his bones were not found. His bones were not scattered or broken or left in a valley. No, his bones are still in his body and his body has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. And because of his resurrection from the dead, one day our bones and our bodies will rise with him. This morning... As we hear about this resurrection, this breath of life, I'm reminded of the words from Psalm 139. One of my favorite psalms in which the psalmist writes, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. From the moment in which our bones are literally being formed in our mother's womb, God knows and forms us. We have a God who sees through every ounce of our flesh, who goes down to the depths of our soul, and he puts his spirit into our hearts, and he fills our bones with his breath. 
The breath of God, the spirit of God that stirs up in you is the reminder that sin and death never win. That God loves you so much, that his love for you is so deep that it is literally in your bones. You can feel it in your bones. And those bones are not dry, they are alive. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you are made new. Brothers and sisters in Christ, your bones are alive and you are made new. The Spirit of God has been poured out upon you and it fills you with the breath of life. The breath of hope both now and forever. May each and every breath you take remind you of the Spirit of God that is within you down to the very last bone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.